Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. All right, we're starting a new series today called Peace, Peace, and it's a Peace, Peace two-week series. We're going to talk about peace this week and peace next week. That had nothing to do with the title, but Peace, Peace. Look at your neighbor and say, Peace, Peace. Look at your other neighbor and say, Peace, Peace. So give some peace to somebody. How many know that, that we are ambassadors of peace? Come on, are you with me? We are peace ambassadors. I'm going to talk a little bit about that this week and next week. How many of you love Christmas carols? I love Christmas carols, love Christmas. Uh, so I, thought, I, I saw someone do uh, a video on Facebook the other day of s- some people that went to their house and like did some Christmas caroling. I was like, man, I wish that that would make a comeback. Like, how cool was that? I was like, mom was watching. I was like, oh man, this is going and singing. I was, you know, getting all kind of kind of moved and and it was just it was powerful. But one of the, one of the most powerful uh, songs that was written uh, Christmas. If you want to call it a Christmas hymn, you could call that as Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It was written by John Wesley. If you know anything about John Wesley, in the 1700s, John Wesley was kind of one of the the pioneers of the uh, Methodist movement. And so um, he had a brother named John. So it was Charles and John Wesley. But he wrote, like, I think something, I, I might be mistaken, but I think it's something like 6,000 hymns. They would actually take bar songs and change the lyrics so they could sing them in church, so they'd have good music. And uh, so, <laughs> I guess, you know, Grandma on the on the piano harpsichord wasn't really working so good, so uh, they went to the bars and learned all these tunes. But uh, Charles Wesley wrote this, the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It says, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King, Peace on Earth and Mercy Mild, God and Sinners Reconciled. How I many you know some good theology? Joyful, all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. One of the lines in this song says, peace on earth and mercy mild. Peace. Peace on earth. What what do we call Jesus? We call Jesus the Prince of Peace. When we talk about peace, especially today in the age that we're living, where we're talk, everybody's talking about guns and everybody's talking about ISIS and we're talking about wars and rumors and wars. How many know that peace is a hot topic? We all want peace. We, we want peace in our lives. Personally, we want world peace. We want peace with our neighbor. We want peace with our coworker, peace with our boss. Peace, peace, peace. Actually, there was a, some rebukes in the Old Testament about all these people that were going around going peace, peace, where there is no peace. And I feel like today in our world that there's a lot of people that are saying, peace, peace, and they have no idea what they're talking about. They're just throwing this word around like it's tranquility. It's good in the hood. Peace, peace. How many know that that's not what peace is? And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, very familiar passage, especially around Christmas. It says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. We know that Jesus was given to us. He is the greatest gift that you've ever been given. Some of you need to open the package. Come on, Jesus is the greatest gift that has ever been given. A son is given. It wasn't a son was borrowed or a son was lent. A son was given. And the government will be on his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
of his increase and his government and peace, there will be no end. See, Jesus established something when he was born in that manger that day. He established what we call the kingdom of God, God's dominion on the earth. Was there a kingdom before? Yes, there was, but it was a place that was far away. But Jesus didn't come just to get people into his kingdom. He came to get his kingdom into these people. And so Jesus being born mercy mild in that little baby born on that quiet or violent night there was a kingdom being born at that moment, and that kingdom has not ended. That kingdom has not ended. Jesus is alive. He lives forever as the ruler, as the prince of peace. Upon the throne of David, over his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward. But how many know that justice has a whole lot to do with peace? If there's no justice, if there's no making the wrong things right, there's no peace. We think compromise is the answer to peace, but it's not. It's justice. It's making the wrong things right, wrong mindsets, wrong behaviors, wrong situations. You know, you need peace in your situation because it's the wrong situation. So you're asking for that to be made right. Justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord will perform this. So how many know the when it says the zeal of the Lord, that means that he, God is passionate about peace. Jesus is passionate about peace. He's not just like, oh, peace, like some of the old people that were messed up, peace, peace, where there is no peace. No, no, no. When Jesus talks about peace, in fact, every word that comes out of his mouth has a power on it because it's the absolute truth that reigns from that time forward. Um, Jesus being born in that time was, was expected in some ways. People were expecting him, the prophecies and all these things, but he was really the unexpected gift in the sense is that he came in a package that was hard for the people to open, right? So the, the Jews, specifically the rulers of that day, Jesus was a Jew. He came from the tribe of David. He came from that, that family group. Jesus was, was a Jewish man, fully God, fully man. But he came in a way that was unexpected. See, the Jews thought that he was going to come in and bring, like he's going to come in his second coming with this iron scepter, with this crown, come down and force people to bow down. He's going to come in and throw over things and just come in and say, follow me or you're all going to be dead in 24 hours. And that wasn't the way it was. Instead, he came like a little baby. Now, how many of you know that he's not a baby in a manger anymore? Come on. Right now, when Jesus returns in his second coming, it will look like that. Are you with me? He, he is returning with fire in his eyes and a sword in his hand. He is coming that way in his return. He will come that way. But in his first coming, he came as a meek, mild baby. And so it was very hard for these people to, to, that were foreseeing the second coming. It was hard for them to understand how he was coming in the first coming. Uh, so they, many rejected Jesus because he did not come in the manner that they were expecting. How many people today reject Jesus because he comes in a way that they are not expecting or the way or the package that they like? You should come on a chariot. He came in a manger. Right? 
They thought he was looking to be served and to rule with an iron fist and said he sacrificed himself as the servant of all. They thought he was coming to drive out, not welcome in. That he was coming for Israel. In fact, he was coming for the whole world. For some reason, the Jews were the first to reject him. They thought peace by the Messiah would be a physical militant advancement destroying the physical enemies of Israel, specifically Rome. So they had these preconceived ideas of Jesus. So when he showed up to do what he always does is blow minds, they rejected it. How many times do we reject Jesus because he gives us something in a package that we don't really like? But Lord, I want FedEx! Not 21-day mail in the holidays. I want it with a nice little pretty bow, not in a dirty bag. Right? We always want it in a package that is palatable for us. But how many know that we accept Jesus based upon who he is and the reality of who he is, not upon my preconceived notions of how he, I think he should be? The reason why I think that is because I am my own God. But when we say we want God, we have to accept him on his terms. So there's this Jewish girl, good Jewish girl. She knew the, the, the scriptures. She, I mean, they had like tons of the Bible memorized, their Bible at the time. And her name's Mary. And Mary was a good Jew. She was as, probably as good as you could be as a, as a person on the, on the planet. And it says this in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, God sent an angel, Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Well, there you go. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Mm -hmm. Confused and disturbed. Now, not really the reaction we get when someone says to us, You found favor with God. Don't be afraid. God is with you. These kind of things. Not she's confused. Why? Because it's it's an angel. Now we have our little pictures of angels, right? Nice little golden wings with you know makeup on, and uh, your little gold little tassels. You know, sweet little angels. Anytime you see angels show up in scripture, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is like, "Hold up! Don't be scared." Why? Because they're intimidating figures. So this angel shows up. It's like, hey, God's on you. He likes you. <laughs> what did I do? Right? Could you please show up like a little cherub? <laughs> little gift card angel, please? Next time? No, that's not who I am. Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, the angel told her, for you found favor with God. And you'll conceive and give birth to a son. And you will name him Jesus, and he will be very great and be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David. So all of a sudden, she's starting to put the dots together. He's putting the one in me. He's putting the gift inside of me. And he says, and he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. I mean, I went to biology class and they taught me, you know, that, you know, it takes two to tango and do other things and make a baby. And I'm a virgin. I haven't 
done that yet. I mean, I'm engaged, but I'm a holy woman, so I'm waiting because that's what holy people do. Right? So they, and we're not shaming you if you messed up. Just get right. Justice. Justice is easy in the kingdom. Happens in an instant. I'm a virgin. And then he says this. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow. And so a baby will be born holy and he will be called the Son of God. So, how did Mary deal with this? I mean, obviously, in the beginning, she's freaked out. She's like, what? I'm going to have a baby? Like, I'm engaged to Joseph, who's a Jew also. We're Jewish people. We don't have sex before marriage. We're good people. We're holy. People are going to see this. They're probably going to drag me out and stone me because this was the custom of the day. She could be murdered. I think the world is bad now. So she's freaking out. What am I going to do? How am I going to hide myself? And if you guys know the story, there's a, you know, she actually had to run and hide, and that's part of the reason why Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But Mary had peace. And it says, it says this about Mary, that she pondered these things in her heart. How was it that Mary was able to go through this difficult situation? I mean, how are you supposed to have peace in a situation like that? Well, because she bore the Prince of Peace inside of her. So the Prince of Peace inside of her was able to carry her through the next nine months of tension and frustration. And not only for the next nine months, but for the rest of her life, she was able to live with peace because she bore the man, Jesus. So I want to talk about this man that she bore, the Prince of Peace that we call. What, what does Jesus mean? What does it mean to call him the Prince of Peace? I've got three realities for you. Y'all good? Yes. Three realities for you on the Prince of Peace. Number one, he didn't come to bring world peace. Jesus didn't come for world peace, at least not yet. In his second coming, yes. And he will use you and I to bring that peace. He will also use you and I to bring peace now and resolve. But Jesus didn't come for world peace. He wasn't, uh, what was it, miscongeniality? Is that what it was? Where she goes, and world peace. That's not Jesus. He's not trying to win your vote. He didn't come for world peace, but to bring peace to the world. Not to, that the people would be at peace and agreement with one another, but that people would be right with God. See, people, again, people still reject Jesus based upon what they think Jesus should be. We think Jesus is hippie character. Buddha character that comes in is just tranquility and hmm, hum, just the right way. See, the reason why they, people reject Jesus is because they think Jesus is too harsh or they think Jesus is too soft. How many know that Jesus is just right? He's just too right. Come on. Listen, he, Jesus isn't trying to win a beauty pageant, he's not a politic. He's not a tame diplomat. He's not a hippie, nor a pacifist, nor, pe- nor pessimistic, nor socialist, nor a communist, nor a narcissist, nor is he racist. The Jewish people of the day were extremely racist. Extremely. You think racism is bad right now? Jews multiply that times 10. 
Jews were extremely racist. You didn't hang out with people that wasn't a Jew if you were a Jew. They were unclean people. You had to leave the city. But I will tell you this. Jesus does not have an agenda. Jesus is the agenda. He doesn't have an agenda. He is the agenda. We, we have an agenda as the people of God. We have agenda, an agenda to, for global domination. What's your vision at Overflow? Global domination. To, to bring, to, to, to release his great empire on the earth. That's what our vision is. We, we, we want global domination. But not in the sense of iron-fisted, mean-spirited leadership, but by winning the hearts of men. So the agenda is Jesus. He is the agenda. But he doesn't need your vote. He doesn't need your vote. And I know many times we want people to vote Jesus, right? I know that everything's political right now, so we're all thinking, Paul. It doesn't, Jesus would like for you to want to vote for him if he was running for something, but he's not running for something. He already is the king of kings. He already is on the throne. He already is in that position. So he doesn't want your vote. He wants your surrender. This is the kind of king. It is a kingdom. Make no mistake about it. There is a king. This is not a democracy. The kingdom is not a democracy. America is great. I'm glad that we live in a democracy, that I can choose Jesus. Very glad. But the kingdom is not a democracy. Our vote doesn't really count. There's no voting. In the kingdom, there's no voting. I mean, we can discuss, we can talk about, hey, is it this way, is it that way? Can you have an opinion? You can have an opinion, but your opinion doesn't change anything. There's one king. <laughs> Sorry. I know that you were born American, most of you, and, sorry, Jaden. Uh, <laughs> I know that, <laughs> ah, Nathan. Uh, all right, so I, I know that, listen, I know that we, we all have this great land of the free where we can choose great. I love it. I'm so, I'm so glad we have that. But the kingdom is not that way. Only one vote matters. That's his vote. He's the agenda. So he doesn't want your vote. He wants your surrender. And I know some of you are like, he didn't come to bring world peace. No, he didn't come to bring world peace. He will bring world peace one day, but not right now. See, Jesus came to win hearts. His kingdom is an internal kingdom. It's on the inside of people. He, he, he thought of it this way because he created us and he knows the way that we function best. He says, first I'll win their hearts and then after I'll win their hearts, I'll take over their territory. Right? First I'll take dominion in the hearts of men and then we'll come and we'll rule on the earth for a million years. Scripture actually teaches that. You see, we're not just going to be in heaven floating around with harps and shooting arrows at people and talking to people that are still on the earth. This is, you're going to go up, you're going to worship the Lord forever, and then he's going to send you on the earth to rule and reign and worship forever for a million years. Might as well be forever for us, right? And this will happen. This is eschatology, not an eschatology lesson. So Matthew 10, Jesus is talking about persecution. He says stuff like this. He says, brother's going to be against brother. 
It's going to be all these wars, all this bad stuff's going to be happening. People will hate you because of me. Jesus actually says that. See, as, as Christians, we're not trying to win the approval of people. If we're trying to win the approval of people, then we can't really serve God. Paul said it that way. Um, we like people. We want people to, I'm very people-oriented. It bothers me very much when people don't approve of me. I'm like, oh, please approve of me. I, I really am like that. But my goal in life is not the approval of people. Although I love people, and I want to be approved by people. Some people just aren't going to approve of you. Um, then he says this. He says, all this stuff's going to happen. They're going to try to kill you just like they're trying to kill me, about to kill me. You're going to die also. Jesus actually tells the disciples that. You're going to die because people are going to hate you, and they're going to kill you. Sorry, American church. We, we must come to grips with this. It's going to be more than them removing you from Facebook. <laughs> Sorry. It's going to hurt a little more than that. It will get physical. It will at the end of the age. We're, see, we're seeing the birth pangs of that now. Persecution is not here yet in America. It's in the, on the earth, but it's not really in America yet. You know, uh, persecution isn't getting kicked out of school. Persecution is getting your arm chopped off. That's persecution, and it is happening on the earth. And I'm not trying to scare you. I just w- want you to realize that this is serious. Following Jesus is serious. It's not just a little thing that you do when you come and you say a little token prayer. It's great. You've got to start somewhere. We're not talking about raising your hand and closing your eyes so nobody else sees you. We're talking about the kind of stuff that Jesus says when he says this in Matthew chapter 10. This is exact context that he's talking about. He said, don't be afraid. You're worth more than sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. And then he says this. He drops a bomb and then the mic. <laughs> Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. What? See, peace doesn't come from toleration or compromise. It comes from resolve. Peace is not the absence of war or tension. Can I tell you today that you can't have peace with the world because you can't have unity with the world? See, all this coexist stuff that you guys see? Have y'all seen that? The only people that put the coexist sticker on are people that don't agree with what those religions say because every one of those religions say the other one is wrong. Listen, it's, it's either the truth or it's not the truth. You don't get to have it. Yeah, it is true and it's true. And are there truths in every religion? Most, Yes. But there is only one truth. If there are many truths, then there are no truths. So truth is important. Our message is important. Our method, loving people, being tender with people, right? Come on. Loving people, being tender with people, showing compassion with people. We, we, this is our method because this is the way Jesus is. This is the way he rules. He rules like a servant because he is a servant. So when we rule, it doesn't look like... Everybody thought Jesus was going to be with a hammer in their hand. You're wrong. No, no, no. It's to win the hearts of men. Again, he's not trying to get your vote, but he does want your heart. 
But we can't, listen, we can't have unity in a world where our message is completely and totally different. It just doesn't work. Our method that we're talking about has an end. It has an end. Oh, I don't have an agenda, man. I'm just loving you. You do have an agenda. Your agenda is what it was when God put man in the garden to rule over the earth. Now you think, oh, that sounds so political and agenda-driven. He's like, I don't rule like that. I don't rule by putting other people down, but by lifting them up. That's how my God rules. So our love has an agenda. It's to win people. Um, We're loving them all the way to Jesus. The agenda is to win people to Jesus, not just be a good, compassionate. I mean, you can be any religion and be nice. Everybody can love you and be not, and you could be you could totally go to hell when you die. You could be the nicest person because Jesus is the way. The way, not a way, not a possible solution. No, no, no. Either he is the solution or he's not. Come to terms. Okay. What about people that are good? There are no good people. This is the the core of the gospel is this, no good people. No good people. Why? Because we are being compared with God. <laughs> He's a good person. Yeah, compared to everybody else, but everybody else is at the standard. Jesus is the standard. So what do we need to to meet the standard? You need Jesus. Jesus meets the standard. We're all messed up. Okay. Dang it. That's the gospel. It's the gospel. Okay. I know we don't like that part, but it's true. Okay. So Jesus didn't come to bring peace on earth. Again, he's not like this. Peace on earth. Mm. Right? That's not what he. Yeah. So, this is the way Jesus makes peace. So, the Prince of Peace, he made peace with man and left it here. See, Jesus didn't come to bring peace among all the people, he came to make people at peace with God. See, peace is a spiritual issue. Humanity can't solve spiritual issues. Let that sink in for just a second. Humanity cannot solve spiritual issues. That's why we cannot solve poverty. Poverty is a spiritual issue. It's not a social issue. It's not an economical issue. It's a spiritual issue. That's what we talked about in our Grateful series. Poverty is a spiritual issue. Depression. Is it phys- Is there something messed up in the brain? Yes, but it's also spiritual. So you fix the spiritual and you watch the natural line up, just like sickness. Sickness, listen, sickness is a spiritual issue. It doesn't, just because you're sick doesn't mean that you're unspiritual or you did something wrong, but it affects you spiritually. And don't say it doesn't, because it does. Discouragement, spiritual issues. The thing is, is we can't fix. We can fix Things We can put a band-aid on it, but we can't fix the core of it. Why? Because humanity is fallen. Humanity is fallen because we chose to disobey God. This is why we've fallen, because God said, this is your purpose. And we said, no, God, I want my purpose. And we walked away from God, and we set ourselves at opposition with him. This is the gospel. 
And let me say this, because some of you are like, well, what does it say about blessed are the peacemakers? Notice it says that you are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. You're not a peacekeeper. Oh, I just don't want to say anything, so everything will be at peace. You're not at peace, because think about the way that you feel on the inside, and you can't say what you're thinking. Why? Because you're not making peace. You're just keeping it. And it's not peace. Sorry. The goal of Christianity is not to live peacefully on the earth, but to be at peace with God. See, we've got to be more concerned about that. We've got to be more concerned about being right with God than being right with people. It's really that simple. You like that? Great. Colossians 1. I love this. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Peace has a price, and Jesus paid it. This includes you who were far away from God. Who else is in that camp? You were far away from God. Anybody? Okay, a few of us can, we can be counted in. Right? Peace with God. You're separated. You're once far from God. You were his enemies. You understand this. Enemies. Oh, I was a good person. It doesn't matter. You were an enemy of God. No matter how pure your intention were, was, you were an enemy with God. If you are not walking in relationship with Jesus, you're an enemy with God. I'm not trying to insult you. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to pull the wool off of your eyes and let you see that you're in opposition with God. The magnitude. Separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Oh, Lord. Yet now. <laughs> oh, thank you, God. Oh, oh. thought it was all over. <laughs> Yet now. He has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought, listen, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are now holy and blameless as you stand before him without one single fault. We were at opposition with God, as far from God as we could be. And Jesus said, I'm going to come as a little baby and I'm going to win their hearts. I'm going to have peace with mankind. We will no longer be at opposition. We will be together. They will be my people and I will be their God. I will rescue them from their sinful state. Listen, there's, there's not a better gift that God could give you. There's nothing better that God can do for your life right now than what he did on that day when Jesus came to rescue you. Because you were far. You were far away. And he said, I'll take the first step and the next step and I'll go all the way to the cross to win their heart because I want peace with mankind. He wants you. He wants you. And then he says this. And because they belong to me, I see no fault in them. They take on my righteousness. They're just like Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So we receive peace. Listen, the way we get peace is through reconciliation. First Corinthians calls it the ministry of reconciliation. John 14, 27. So he didn't just come and bring peace. He left it here. Isn't that good? He left it here. He established something that endures forever. It says this, peace I leave with you, John 14, 27. My peace I give to you. 
Then he says this, I do not give as the world gives. What? Peace. The world has a way of peace, and the kingdom has a way of peace. He don't give that kind of peace. He gives us supernatural peace. <laughs> Even if there's war, there's peace in the kingdom. So don't let your hearts be troubled, and don't be afraid. <clears throat> so he left it here. He didn't just give us peace. He left it here. He established it. Boom, done. Well, God, I just need peace in my life. Here's Jesus. God, I feel so distant from you. Here's Jesus. And you get to ambassador that message. You get to carry that message. I have a spiritual son of mine, and uh, he lives in Japan, and I hadn't heard from him in years. And uh, he calls me Andrew. It's funny. It was my middle name. So we got some Andrews in the house. What? And so he said, uh, hey, Andrew, he's like, I've been listening to your podcast. He started listening to our podcast like a year ago. Like, he's in China. He doesn't have any community, no church, nothing. And so he reaches out to me. Like, I didn't even know he's living in, not China, Japan. I didn't even know he's living in Japan. And so so we started, he, he called me about, I don't know, six weeks ago, and we've been talking every week. He just calls me on the phone, and we just talk. And uh, I'm like his church service, right? <laughs> Tuesdays at 4 p.m. when he calls me, like we have church. And so, uh, and he goes, hey, Andrew. And he just talks to me. And he told me this. He said, he said uh, the first time we talked, and then we talked this past week, and he said the exact same thing. He said, he said I, I just want to be close to God. I just want to be close to God. And uh, that really rung in my heart. And I was like, yeah, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, so I'll pray with him, you know. God wants to be close to you. You know what I'm saying? And he knows that. And uh, he said this. He said, well, you know, and, and please, there's, there's no boasting in this. He says, he said, that's the reason why we're talking. Because I want to be close to God. And I was just like, he just needs somebody to be an ambassador of the message. The message that God wants to be close to you. And here's a guy, he's, you know, he's in the Lord, like, you know, but he's been far. He's, and he knows that Jesus is saying, hey, I want to be close. That wasn't his that wasn't his idea. He wasn't like I'm gonna go to Japan and get close to God. Not 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 even the, the slightest. Jesus is showing up and he's saying, I want to be close to you. So it's been amazing just to ambassador that message. Listen, this is the message that we have that God wants people. He's he's not mad, he's not in a bad mood, he's not frustrated with the world, he's not depressed, he's not every time it rains, it's not because he's crying because the world's so bad. He's not like sad in heaven, emo God in the corner. He's not that way at all. He's got the solution. He's given us Jesus. He is not a, he is a happy, he is in a good mood. God is in a good mood. I don't know he's like, oh, the world's so bad. Listen, he isn't really moved so much by that. We are and we should be. But he's like, will there just be a people that will rise up with the message that I gave them and say, listen, I can't make all the gun problems go away and I can't make all the war go away, but I can help you get right with God. So if it doesn't go away, which it's not going to go away and you die, you'll be with God. Well, I don't, man, I don't know how I could endure persecution. You would endure persecution because you would have peace with God. And by the grace that he gave you. 
So he makes, point three about the Prince of Peace is this, is he makes peace possible through trust. So how do we get right with God? We trust him. How do you have peace with your finances? We just got through this grateful series. You trust God. See, everything really in the kingdom is that simple, the exact same thing that you're doing in the chair that you're sitting in. You're trusting it. It's the same way. You just trust him. You're just along for the ride, along for the ride of your life. You just trust. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we, be, we, have been, we have made, sorry, we have peace with God because of what Jesus has done for us. Is what Jesus done for you enough? See, all these people, like all of us, when we get frustrated, when, 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 when we, we go God and we complain and we bicker or whatever and we, we're annoyed and we go to God and we're no, 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 and this and that, and that, what we're doing really is we're saying, Lord, what you did, it wasn't enough. Complaining is really that, God, what you did, it was not enough. I want more than the incarnation. I want more than Jesus dying on a cross and rising from the dead. I want more than that, God. How haughty and how prideful we are. It's all because of what Jesus did. It's all because of what Jesus did. It's not defined by the, the morality of humanity. We just trust what Jesus did. See, we're, you're in a room full of people right now that have, maybe people that have killed people. I don't know about that. But I know that there are definitely people in here that are, that are ex-drug addicts, people that, are, that battle depression probably now, people that are struggling. You're in a room full of people like that. The thing that unifies us is this. We trust Jesus. We don't have it all figured out. We're just sitting in the right seat. We're not necessarily more spiritual than the next guy. We're just sitting in the right seat. We want more people to come and sit in the seat next to us. Why? Because we want them to have that relationship with Jesus. Not your physical seat. Oh, okay. Colossians 1.17 says this. We read this a while ago. Is that he is before all things, and in him he holds all things together. He holds all things together. See, your broken heart, he holds it together. Your marriage, he holds it together. Your relationship with your kids, he holds it together. If it's together, it's because he's holding it together. Right? And some things that aren't being held together, maybe you just need to trust him to hold it together. See, peace is an inside job. It's an inside job. Happiness, peace, joy, inside job. Frustration, it's an inside job. We want the externals to change so that we could have peace. Jesus said it will get worse, but you'll have peace. Lord, do you not live in my world? Do you, did you not see that? Did you not, you not watching the news, Jesus? I mean, you said we would have peace. How am I supposed to have peace with the world like this? I mean, come on. Where's my fairy godmother and, and pillow clouds and marshmallows and suckers and lollipops and candy? Where's that, Lord? No, he said it's going to be bad, but you're going to have peace. Why? Because peace is an inside job. Peace is an inside job. Listen, peace has nothing to do with the situation on the outside, but has everything to do with the condition of the inside. A person can be at peace no matter what the situations or circumstances are because our peace is an eternal value. It's not found in the world, so we don't lose it when the world crumbles. Our peace is not found in the world, so we don't lose it when the world crumbles. When I lose my job, 
when my best friend betrays me, I don't lose my peace. Why? Because the world doesn't define your peace. Isaiah 26.3, if I can get somebody to come up and play. You will keep in perfect peace. Perfect peace. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust you. And then it says this, those whose thoughts are fixed on you. Listen, you need peace in your life today. I know that it's hard, man. We live in a world that has fallen apart. It's scary. I know that I've kind of made fun of it today, but it is scary. We've ne- we haven't experienced this before where we live. It is, it, it is our reality, and it's hard. But this is the promise. You will keep in perfect peace. The big decision that you're about to make, you will keep in perfect peace. The way the year is going to end out, how the holidays are going to be when that family member is there that you don't like, that you don't get along with, and you're worried about the relational tension and all the things that are going on, guess what? He keeps in perfect peace, those who trust him and whose thoughts are set on him. So how do you get peace? It's right there. You trust him. Can I tell you today that, that trust is a lot easier than striving? Sitting is a lot easier than standing or running. It's a lot easier. And if you're like me, man, something is tenacious in my life, and I want to stand up, and I want to fight the battle, and I want to work it out. And he's going, will you trust me, and will you meditate on what I did, on who I am? You will keep in perfect peace those who trust you. I love Ephesians 2.14. It says, he is our peace. He himself is our peace. See, when you get Jesus, you get peace. It's a package deal. John 16, 33, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. It's going to get bad. You're going to be sad. Things are going to be difficult and hard. You will face many trials and sorrows, many. Promise. I know you don't want to put that part on the, on the refrigerator, but it is a promise. It will get bad. But take heart. Don't get discouraged. Because I've overcome the world. And because I have overcome the world, you will be an overcomer.